Welcome to S2 Underground, a freelance intelligence agency fighting terrorism, fake news, and political tyranny around the world. I'm the trouble starter, punkin' instigator. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Underground on this Valentine's Day, February 14th. We hope that you're having a great holiday, and for those fellow singles out there, thanks for drowning your sorrows in our podcast. So, with that in mind, let's pour one out and get to the intelligence that mattered this week. The disarmament campaign that has been sweeping Virginia got a little closer to becoming law this week, as all of the Bloomberg-backed gun control bills passed the House and are now in the Senate. These bills include stipulations such as banning things like 30-round magazines and pistol grips, as usual, but also other things like threaded barrels, flash suppressors, restrictions on shotgun magazine tube sizes, foregrips, muzzle brakes, compensators, quote-unquote detachable magazines, and pretty much everything that makes a firearm a firearm. Elsewhere around the nation, anti-gun bills are popping up everywhere, with legislation this week being introduced or in the process of being written in the following states. Arizona, Florida, Washington State, Oregon, Utah, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Hampshire, Vermont, New Mexico, and Minnesota. We don't have enough time to go over all of these bills in all of these states, but we do encourage you, as always, to check out what's going on in your state. Virginia learned the hard way by assuming that it could never happen to them, so get out there and do your research if you live in any of these states. From the Middle East desk, President Trump has tentatively agreed to the framework that the Taliban has set up regarding a potential peace agreement. The president stated on Wednesday that the U.S. would stick to a seven-day ceasefire suggested by the Taliban, which is seen as a precursor to a larger peace movement. This potential peace plan is nothing new, and it's just the latest move toward President Trump's Middle East peace plan being implemented. Uh, One question that no one seems to be asking right now is, does the Taliban even have the power to make it work? Here's an example of what that means. So prior to about 2016, the Taliban and Haqqani network had complete and total control over most of Afghanistan for about 10 years, since the drawdown after the initial invasion. Uh, However, from 2016 until really now, uh, ISIS had taken root in Nangarhar and eastern Afghanistan, and in the spring of 2019 had almost completely taken over Kunar province to include the infamous Korangal Valley. Now, by that time, the Taliban and ISIS were locked in an extremely bloody and brutal conflict. They hated each other more than they hated the U.S. presence in the area. However, after a while, we began to notice a trend. Uh, Notably, that the Taliban commanders who were sort of mid-level in rank would do something odd, and they would switch sides and join ISIS. Uh, This would happen many, many times, and it wasn't just ISIS. Uh, Al-Qaeda, Lashkar-e-Islam, Lashkar-e-Taiba, Tariq-e-Taliban Pakistan, all of these insurgent groups would receive Taliban defectors with open arms. Um, And this would happen as soon as the national or even regional Taliban commanders would mandate a ceasefire, or even threaten a lasting peace. As soon as that would happen, the low-level commanders or mid-level commanders would immediately defect to ISIS to continue their fight against the Afghan National Army and, to a lesser extent, the U.S. So, the great question is, 
if the U.S. and the Taliban agree to peace, and the Taliban sticks to it, will this create a resurgence of ISIS or any number of other insurgent groups so that they can continue to weaken and drive out the Afghan government? Moving on to more domestic news, a quick update on the coronavirus. The number of global cases of the coronavirus jumped this week from 40,000 to over 60,000, which is partly due to Chinese doctors beginning to use chest x-rays to diagnose the virus, uh, which resulted in more people being diagnosed. Uh, This comes on the heel of many videos being posted on social media by Chinese citizens that show Chinese officials forcibly removing people from their homes at gunpoint, people simply collapsing into comas on the street, and other shocking footage that we really can't independently confirm or put into context, but they're still shocking nonetheless. Additionally, the weather tracking website windy.com, which synthesizes and displays NASA data from weather satellites, uh, observed a large plume of sulfur dioxide outside Wuhan and neighboring city uh, Chongqing. Sulfur dioxide is most commonly associated with burning organic materials, since most of, the f- most of the few factories that are located in Wuhan have been shut down, we assess with moderate confidence that this detection is most likely uh, either mass cremations or burning of contaminated materials and medical supplies uh, that has become a necessity at this stage in the spread of the virus. In the U.S., the CDC issued a press statement confirming that many of the coronavirus test kits that were sent to many states around the country actually don't work. Uh, The CDC discovered on Wednesday that the results from the test kits were coming back as inconclusive. So far, the extent of these inaccurate test kits is not known. As a result, this casts even more doubt on already suspect information, the true number of people infected. Moving on to Southeast Asia, Philippine President and local dictator Rodrigo Duterte formally moved to end a part of the U.S. military pact on Monday and announced that the Filipino military would be withdrawing from the Visiting Forces Agreement, or VFA. Now, that doesn't mean that Duterte is kicking the U.S. military out of the Philippines. There are several other military partnership pacts between the two nations. Uh, However, this move will complicate an already tense relationship and will likely give even more support to China's almost empirical quest to dominate the South China Sea. Recognizing this threat to regional stability, much of Duterte's puppet government actually disagrees with this move, and despite Duterte's comparatively large influence over his government, he faces an uphill battle if he wants to reduce the U.S. influence in his country. Up next, the Strategic Intelligence Sitra for the week, The Situation in the Sahel. In sub-Saharan Africa, the U.S. has downplayed the security threats within the Sahel, a sparse region of Sahara Desert that sprawls from Senegal to the Sudan. Shifting from a targeting focus to a mere quote-unquote containment, and even referencing potential troop withdrawals over the next few months. Seeing as many people are completely unaware of U.S. military presence in the region, which numbers around 800 troops, uh, here's why that matters. The world has largely turned a blind eye to insurgent activities within sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Civil wars raging for centuries have largely desensitized many nations to conflict within the region. The Sahel region 
specifically within northern Senegal, has been host to significant conflict, with frequent uprisings from many different insurgent groups springing up so frequently that Defense Secretary Mark Esper likened the U.S. military presence in the region to, quote, mowing the lawn, end quote. However, this lawn is growing to be a jungle, no pun intended. U.S. AFRICOM this week issued a report stating that the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda in the Sahel are, quote, neither degraded nor contained, end quote. So why does this matter to the U.S.? The answer is simple. Natural resources. A 2018 study conducted by Dr. Rachel Cooper of the University of Birmingham concluded that while the Sahel itself is one of the poorest and most environmentally and economically degraded places on Earth, the borders of the Sahel and the region that it lies in is one of the world's richest in terms of natural resources, which include gold, oil, diamonds, cobalt, and uranium, just to name a few. So, an insurgency that threatens these resources will almost certainly have long-term negative impacts on the global economy, thus the reason that the U.S. military is involved in the first place. But since deploying troops to fight yet another war in the desert for reasons of economics may seem like a logical move on paper, it's a little harder to sell that idea to the public, especially considering the highly publicized troop casualties that have come out of Libya, Somalia, and Nigeria over the past few months. While it may be less than ideal, uh, and some would consider it quite foolish to get involved with yet another counterinsurgency campaign in nations that most Americans can't even find on a map, without a sound strategy and some limited military intervention from the U.S. and our NATO allies, we assess with high confidence that the insurgencies within sub-Saharan Africa will continue to gain strength and will almost certainly destabilize an already unstable democracy system within the continent. So that's all we've got for this week. Uh, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram for real-time intelligence updates throughout the week. Also, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at s2undergroundactual at gmail.com. If you feel like contributing monetarily to the underground, support us on Patreon. These contributions help us buy better recording equipment, add a hosting space, and help us expand the S2 Underground project. And as always, remember, fight in the shade. S2 Actual out.